McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. I will be banned in the PO Forecast episode 81. Well, it's a disappointing draw against Shrewsbury. There's no doubt about that. But here to maybe calm some of that pain and make you feel better about life is Andy Mitchell. How are you, Andy? Hi, you. Not too bad. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, nice to have football on Saturdays again. A bit of regular league football. Uh, it's going to be a lot of games between now and Christmas. A lot of midweek as well, um, as well as Saturdays. So, yeah, it's nice to have it back in back in our lives. Um, we are just completely setting us up to feel disappointed at least twice a week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I do think, though, that I've been pretty excited about the return of football. And, Andy, I'm going to put this out there before we go into what's going on in the show, because we made some pretty bold predictions for that last game against Shrewsbury. I don't know if you remember what your prediction was. Well, I believe my first prediction was 2-0, and I got told I couldn't steal anyone else's prediction so I decided to go optimistic and uh yeah overestimated our attacking threat it's it's it's, um absence makes the heart grow fonder right when you forget how a team plays for three months and it's the hope that gets you and you think oh yeah on paper that's quite a nice attacking team and then uh yeah and then and then you watch that yeah it was like you went out on on, on a boozy session after six months not having a beer and you had a couple of shandies and hit the floor it was that sort of thing but well, let's get into it. 4-0 it was not, Andy. But to go over it, we are going to be reviewing the game against Shrewsbury. We'll try and be a little bit brief so everyone doesn't uh, tear their eyes out. Uh, following on for that, we're going to talk about the loan signings. Uh, we've got some of the guys going out. Some of the young players are going out on loan to get some development time. Um, and then also, we've also got, obviously, the big marquee signing, which Pompey have managed to get a central attacking midfielder. Me and Andy will be giving our thoughts on that as well. And we actually spoke to you guys. You put a question out there. And again, thank you very much to everybody. We really appreciate all the responses we got, especially since I sent it out only about four hours before recording today. Um, And it says, are Pompey a quality centre-back away from a promotion contending team now that we've got Michael Jacobs? Questions out there. And then following from that, we're going to finish up with our preview of the game against Rochdale. Andy, let's get into it. Shrewsbury, it was not a fun game, was it, to watch? And... I mean, I looked at the heat map afterwards, which people who, you know, aren't a complete stat nerds like us or look into this sort of thing. They, it just shows where the ball's been effectively and where the danger is. And you look at both of the goals. They're both cold blue, Andy. Um, no one got many touches in the box. What did you think of the game? Yeah, I think the, the best part of the 90 minutes was when I follow up to the Stadium of Light. I think quite a lot of people would agree with that from what I've seen on social media. Um it was quite a sloppy game. I think you could tell that both teams were all... Uh, we said last week it was always going to take a little bit of time to get up and running to match speed. Um, I didn't quite expect it to the extent it was the case. So 
again, I mean, you and I aren't quite as into stats as someone like Freddie is. I don't think you can explain everything with stats. But if you look at the pass accuracies that were 62% and 57% for Pompey and Shrewsbury, and Shrewsbury committing 25 fouls over the course of the 90 minutes, it kind of tells you a lot about what a stop-start kind of, um, yeah, not the most pleasing game to watch. Very Sort of a war of attrition rather than anything else. Um, there's lots of shoulda, woulda, couldas. Like, what if uh, Pierre had been sent off for the foul on Marquis that was potentially last man? It would have been harsh, I think. But on another day, you maybe get that decision. Um, but yeah, trying to find... I'm sure we're going to try and find some positives out of it. There were some positives. But it was fairly mundane for the most part. I mean, yeah, during the game, I, I felt pretty underwhelmed for the, for the vast majority, to be honest with you. I mean, it was boring for us. We're Pompey fans. If you were, if you were a neutral fan watching that game, you would have literally you switched it off. off. You would yeah. have switched it off for sure. Yeah. Uh, positives from a Pompey fan perspective, Jack Watmore, um, he looked absolute class at the back. You can see the difference in the fact that he can actually bring the ball out. He tackles well. His positioning's good. We don't really need to go into a deep dive on why Jack Watmore's good because if you're a Pompey fan and you're listening to this podcast, you know what Jack Watmore brings to the back line. However, apart from that, it was a pretty underwhelming um, performance, especially going forward. It was pretty clear that we can't seem to get the ball down and pass it up the pitch enough and to build play up, you know, and, and get balls into the box in dangerous positions. And it was it was more of the same with those cross-field long balls, hopefully put towards the wingers, wasn't it? So you got the likes of Harness or, or Curtis sort of back to goal, trying to collect a long ball. I thought that might have stopped, but we're back to this season again. And uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I can't remember who uh, tweeted it earlier on. I saw the Portsmouth had tweeted a picture of Ryan Williams leaping. And actually, to be fair, he's a seriously long way off the ground. And uh, someone had tweeted, if it doesn't sum up Pompey, like, you know, a short-ish right winger leaping as the ball flies over his head, then if that doesn't sum, sum up some of our playing style, then what does? No, I think that's that's fair enough as well, mate. I think the thing is, though, with Andy Cannon coming on, is that Gareth Evans does not seem to be able to play in that attacking midfielder role at this level at this moment in time. He he's he's not creating any space for himself. He's not moving into space to receive the ball, and when he's got the ball, he's not then looking to see who's who's running around him. And to be fair, there's not many people running making runs around him either. It's very pedestrian from Pompey, you know, going forward. It seems like there's no. There's no, it's quite aimless. There's no strategy to build up. And, you know, when you're, when you're coaching youth football, I'm sure a lot of people here have played football for a local football team and you're told pass and move the whole time. Pass, move, find space, pass, move, find space. There wasn't evident at all happening against Shrewsbury, which is disappointing because we've got the players now to play that sort of football. Moving on from that, I thought Johnson on the right could have got forward a bit more, didn't. When you look at his, when you look at his, um, his, his heat map where he moved, he actually stayed back quite a lot. Um, which is a bit of a difference to how he saw him play in previous games. Lee Brown actually got a lot further forward than him in the game. Um, and I suppose when we touch on Lee Brown, Andy, his free kicks, you know what? I'm I'm not glad, but I'm sort of happy one of those didn't go in after my joke will bet last uh, season, putting a few pounds on Lee Brown to score. If he had scored in the first game of the season, and I put no faith in him, would have been pretty annoyed. So let's go for the free kicks. The first one, is a little sort of stationary free kick, wasn't it? They all shuffled around a bit and he yeah, hit him with his left foot. You're assuming it was something that they worked on on the training ground, but it looked a little bit messy, I guess. But if it goes bottom corner, then you don't complain about it. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that side you, you'd expect, you know, I'd expect the keeper to have that covered, but it's not, 
you know, it's not a dead cert and it's almost as close as we came, really, other than the, the second half free kick. If he'd scored a brace from a combined total of 65 yards out, I don't actually know how you'd have coped, to be honest with you. Uh, it would have been quite quite entertaining from our side for you not having placed a bet on it for once. Yeah, you and all the other lads and girls would have absolutely loved it. I would have been absolutely rinsed for it for weeks. But yeah, no, both free kicks, decent attempts, you know, first one not on target, but it was close enough. I'll give him that. And and the second one, well, that, was, that could have been an absolute beauty. If the keeper looked a bit sleepy, you know, he managed to get a hand to it. I think it was on goal, it wasn't target. He pushes it over. So, I mean, apart from that, Andy, there's not really much more to talk about, is there? Obviously, Aaron Pierre, red card, but I don't, I don't think it was a red card, the first one. I don't think it was on Marquis, actually, personally. Yeah, exactly. Could have been given, but no, no, I don't think so. I think that that game in my head, is cemented for Kenny Jacket that Evans probably won't play in that role going forward over the next few games. And we've seen since then Michael Jacobs getting signed. So for me, I don't think we'll see Evans in that number 10 role anymore, other than potentially the Brighton game, um, which we're kind of glossing over because I'm not losing any sleep over it either way, as long as it's you know not a cricket score. Um, but I think that's the main takeaway. We said last week on the pod that the Shrewsbury game wasn't really going to tell us anything huge because we knew how Shrewsbury were, Shrewsbury were going to line up. We knew the sort of form the game was going to take, that it was going to be attritional and not aesthetically that pleasing. So it would have been nice to nick that win or that 4-0 win that uh, we predicted on the pod with ridiculous enthusiasm. Uh, but yeah, we go again. Again, when we talk about the games coming up, I think, again, the, the one this... Uh, our Rochdale game, we're not, again, going to take a huge amount out of in terms of like knowing too much about the season. But, I mean, we'll get on to that. It's just about picking up points early doors, I think, to be honest with you. It could be worse. You could, you know, Peterborough lost first day of the season uh, when they, they were expected to pick up three points. The promoted teams have tended to do pretty well in League One and League Two. It's only one week of football. Plenty left to go. Yeah, I don't think it's just, just the result. I think people were just a little bit concerned about the style and the way and the manner we did it. But yes, it yeah. is only one game. Yeah, we should not draw it. huge. We should not actually draw huge um, conclusions from one game. Come on, even with Jacket in charge, we'll, we'll see what happens next game. So, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the news because you did a great little uh, segue there on talking about the new signing, uh, Michael Jacobs, signed from on a free transfer recently released by the currently broke Wigan Athletic Football Club. Um, let's hope that they manage to sort themselves out because no one likes to see a club go under. Um, yeah, good player. Attacking midfielder can play across the front three. Left midfield, right midfield. But he has been signed by Kenny Jacket as a attacking midfielder. Um, let me just find, I did actually have the have the quote for it, but it appears I didn't bother putting it beside me. But he said that he sees him as a central attacking midfielder in the 4-2-3-1, his favourite formation. He sees him starting there, playing there. Um, we've seen him play throughout the years. He's played well in League One. Um, he's got promoted with sides like Wigan, and he's looked decent in the Championship. But I think in League One, this is the level where he's really going to stand out and excel. Um, he shoots from distance. He can score goals. And a little bit of extra space, I suppose, in League One allows him really to to tear it up a bit more than maybe in the Championship, where he'd be more of a steady sort of player, I suppose, for Wigan he has been seen as. Um, Andy, what are your initial feelings on the signing of Michael Jacobs? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head pretty well there in that based on his career record, you'd say he's a, a strong League One player um, who, when he's made the step up to the championship, probably hasn't had the opportunities he'd have wanted in terms of the number of appearances he's been given. Um, I was having a look at his career as a whole before uh, before coming to us. 
So in League One, in 109 appearances, he's got 30 goals and 22 assists in this division. His numbers aren't as good when they get up to the championship, so it's fairly clear where his level is. Um, we're not going to see him in that Brighton game, I don't think, because he has, uh, hasn't got any match fitness, although to me that would be the perfect game to get some match fitness. Uh, but yeah, as you said, he's played under Jacket before. He's won promotion from League One before. I guess the one concern that some fans will have is that um, Jacket is trying to repeat a formula from six years ago, but everyone is now six years older and the style of football has changed slightly. So is the same formula necessarily going to work? Um, that would probably be the one reservation some people might have. But I do think, yeah, it's a strong signing. From I've probably seen him two or three times in person before um, and been fairly impressed each time. I can't remember him having any sort of shocker against us. Um, and yeah, I think he'll step into that number 10 role where Evans played against Shrewsbury. So we'll have Curtis, uh, Jacobs and Harness as our attacking three. That would be my, my gut instinct um, with yeah, Ryan Williams coming on as an impact sub to run at defences late on in the game. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's fair enough. I think, I think that that would be in the manager's head, in Kenny Jacket's head, you know, starting Jacobs in the centre, putting Harness to the right. I, mean, I, I do have a Wigan fan as a friend, you know, one of my three friends, and that includes you, Andy, is one of them. He um, he literally said to me that he's not sure about him really as a cam, but we'll wait and see. I, I think he looks pretty decent there. He said he's naturally a left winger who could fill in at cam, um, can play at cam, um, but really thinks he's a little bit better out wide. So we'll see if Kenny Jacket goes back on his. He's definitely signed to be number 10 because we know he does like fiddling around with where he puts people in positions. And does he end up thinking about moving Harness there and moving him wide? Or will he be stubborn and stick to what he said from the outset? You know, only time will tell. But he's definitely got the the class and then the quality to be a good addition to the squad. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I think... Um... The the Harness and Curtis, they actually linked up pretty well in the, the uh, cup games at the start of the season. Um, so I could see the rationale for Kenny putting Harness into the centre and then potentially mixing things up if, you know, potentially even half partway through a game if he's feeling particularly edgy. Um, I know, right? Oh, yeah, it's an audio podcast. People can't just see what you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> little little dance. He needs to, needs to change things up halfway through a game, for example. Um, but... I mean, we're going to touch on Catlin has said today that he's not coming as a replacement for Curtis. That is not why he's been signed. And it it always makes me a little bit sad when people don't take Catlin at his word because I think he's always been fairly upfront and honest about the situation from his point of view. And I don't personally think we've got any reason not to believe Mark Catlin. We've spoken to him a few times and he's always been like fronting up and completely honest as far as I've ever been able to tell. So I don't I don't think that he would come out and outwardly... Uh, and directly say that if that wasn't the case. So you'd like to think Curtis is sticking around. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. And, and when I saw the first quote, it came from Kenny Jacket, And Kenny Jacket said, Kenny Jacket on Ronan Curtis said, and this is written in the news, it's an extract from it. He said, he's part of our plans. If that was all to suddenly change one day when the phone rings, I don't know. But there's nothing brewing or in the pipeline right now. Well, that sounds very cryptic, especially for Kenny Jacket, the man who announces the team sheet and he's injured and it changes. And I think the fans went, hang on a second, that doesn't sound particularly reassuring. Do you feel reassured by that? I think when Kenny Jacket answers interviews, he is rarely concise or direct. They're normally like the sort of answers you get when you ask a politician something to do with COVID-19 policy or Brexit. And he sort of answers a question and says words, but doesn't really answer the question. So I think I, 
I try not to read too much into indirect answers from him because he he can't put himself out there and say one thing if he's not 100% sure because if then the opposite happens, he loses all credibility for the future. So it's the same for any manager. But To a I, certain I, level it is, but that is particularly wishy-washy. As far as any it, statement, it is. even for a jacket statement, that is, that is on the wishy-washy of jacket statements. So I think the fans feel a little bit better now when Mark Catlin came out and said, I can 100% guarantee that Michael Jacobs hasn't been brought in as a replacement for Ronan Curtis. Ronan's one of Kenny's ever presence. He was a big player, very big player for us. And long may that continue. Now, that is the sort of statement that comes out and says, no, our best player is staying. Yeah, it's authoritative, it's direct, it's what you want. That's, I think people would give Jacket a lot more time if he came out with that sort of direct response himself rather than Catlin doing it, which, to be honest with you, Mark Catlin regularly does. Uh, I think, yeah, people would be more happy with Kenny Jacket if he was less wishy-washy, because as you say, that response from him is very much on the fence and doesn't reassure anyone in any way. So, yeah. Yeah, and without going too much into that sort of thing with Jacket generally, it is one of those things where a little bit of this might help his unrest a little bit with the fans, you know, I mean, we're way past that now, but the occasional wave on the touchline, you know, the sort of positive statements and stuff that, you know, factual, concise, assuredness, all that kind of stuff is stuff that a manager really needs. And I think if we do end up getting a new manager, we'd like to see someone who's a bit more, a bit more oomph or personality, you know? Yeah. Paul Cook sort of personality. Not Paul Cook though. But yeah. <laughs> Don't say it. Just threw the bait out there. I knew you'd nibble. I knew you'd nibble. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, let's go into the loan signings that are going outwards. Alfie Stanley is joining Bognaregis on loan. Um, at the time of the recording, there wasn't actually any details on the length of the loan. So unless you see anything, Andy, I'm no. going to guess it's he's just gotten there on loan and we won't, won't know how long for. But I think it's a good move for, for Alfie to go and get some games. Talented player. I think he got 26 goals in all competitions last season. Obviously knows how to score. Just needs to play some regular games. I, I do think he could have played at a bit of a higher level, if I'm honest. I thought he could have done that. But we've seen Pompey strikers go to Bogner and end up ending up in the conference. So Dan Smith, for instance, has gone to Bogner. Obviously, Pompey released him, which was a massive mistake. And I told Mark Catlin that when he came on the podcast. But at the same time, he did then go on and move to, to Eastling, get picked up and move to a conference yeah. team. So maybe that will help Alfie Stanley transition. You'd hope so, yeah. I mean, in terms of the length of the contract, you'd assume it would be the same length as Teggett and Story, and they've gone for a one month initially. So, you'd, I mean, yeah, it's dangerous to assume things, but potentially it would be for one month with, uh, you know, rolling one month at a time. Um, but, yeah, you want him to get first-team football. I've seen him play once in person, and, yeah, he looks like a good prospect. And, yeah, he's banging him in for Pompey Academy before uh, before COVID. So, good yeah, for him exactly. to get first-team opportunities, I think. Yeah. yeah, no, he needs to play. And, you know, Robbie Blake's a great coach down there. I've spoken to him. Obviously, he's coached at Pompey. He's got Premier League experience as well as a player. Um, and he's a good player to be developed, sorry, a good coach to be developing on young players down there. So very happy for him to go down there, put his arm around him. And he's very vocal from the from the touchline as well, Robbie Blake is. He will give instructions to him. I remember when um, Bradley Lethbridge came off, actually, down at, at Bogner and he was... It was half time and he was throwing his arms around everywhere. He was getting fouled constantly, basically, and the ref wasn't giving anything. Um, and Robbie Blake just got put his arm around him, had a chat with him, and just told him, you know, to brush it off properly and you know forget about it. Maybe make his run slightly differently and and lose the defenders. And and he sort of picked himself up, brushed himself off in the second half, and looked a lot more dangerous. So that's the sort of coach that's gonna gonna go and uh, 
look after Alfie Stanley. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, to be honest, especially now get some regular men's football and move on. Uh, James Taylor actually messaged on Twitter and he said he thought he could play conference level, look sharp and always on the score sheet. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with James. I think he could play that. But let's get him some games. Let's get him scoring in men's football. And then maybe, as Andy says, if it is a month loan, then he, he'll go somewhere else after that. But, um, yeah, I think... To, to be fair, mate, I think one of, with, with previous players who have gone down this route and then gone off on loan to lower division sides, there's rarely seems to have been a path into the senior team. I mean, if you can correct me any examples from the last sort of year or two years I'm struggling to think of too many I'm struggling to think of any to be honest with you um so you'd hope these would go in a slightly different direction because in in the past these have been loans with a view to you know something more permanent in the future so I'm I'm hoping it's not just they're being put in the shop window on loan and then sort of they quietly disappear into obscurity You'd, you'd certainly hope that they do come back and have a, a future in the side because I know you've got opinions on the under twenty three setup and you know the academy setup at Pompey. We need an, an under twenty three development team desperately. That is it. That is full stop. We need investment into the into the twenty threes. We need to get a development team set up because at the moment there's no clear path for anyone over the age of eighteen to make it. How to get into the first team. And especially now when you've got the salary cap coming in, the different rules on on the twenty ones being involved or not in the salary cap. You really have to think that young players are going to choose to go to a team. I don't know. Let's choose Peterborough as an example, um, where they can get developed, um, and then they've got a clear path of somewhere they can stay after eighteen, and then you know have a chance there to impress and make it into the first team. That's what Pompey needs. Because at the moment, you get to eighteen, what you know, where do you go? You have to either make it or break it into the first team, really. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely been a gap because I mean, a few seasons ago, we saw like you know, let's say. Bass, Watmore, Close, Chaplin, and you saw those four young players and you went, yeah, they're, they're going to play senior team football for us. And there seemed to be some, whether or not there was a better route or they were just I don't know, more in the front line. But there's kind of been a, a, a dropout in that respect. And I couldn't tell you for certain, I believe that this player who is 18 is going to be representing Pompey first team in two, three years. So... There's there's something's changed behind the scenes, and as you say, that the under twenty three team, the development side, would change that. And with the salary cap coming in, from the noises we've heard from the club, they're obviously not happy with the salary cap because potentially it limits what we're able to spend on salaries. Ergo, there should potentially be some money there. I mean, we're not pride to Pompey's financial position on a regular basis, but you'd think that there's something. I mean, lying around sounds too casual, but, you know, we, we're not throwing all of our money into wages now. Not that we were before, but that we're not forced into doing that. We've got a limit now. So why is there not money that can go into the slow development of some sort of development squad? Because as you say, we, we need that. There has to be, because it's not a case of waiting around and going, there has to be some money into this. This is a football club who the actual industry around us okay has changed due to the salary cap and is, they're saying it's a business it is the whole landscape of football has changed in this level with the salary cap you need a development squad i think even mark catlin's coming around to that point um after you know he said he wasn't before the salary cap came in we spoke to him and we pressed him on it now he seems to be coming into the fact you know understanding that it's needed i won't go on too much about this let's move on um Taggart and um story they're going out to gosport on loan um one month loans out there as well 
Taggart has looked impressive. I haven't seen Story play before. Don't know if you if you have, um, Andy. No, I've seen Taggart, but not Story. Yeah, so Taggart also featured in the friendly for Gosport against um, against Avent when they won 1-0. Um, and uh, the other player who's been talked about, Hadji Mangoa, he has not been announced so far as we're recording this podcast, but he's going. But... I've got to feel he's got to go to a better team. I, I mean, like, Avent's got to be a base for me. And I know Rob, yeah, for being on the podcast, Pompey News now, Havent hater, he, he's going to uh, he's going to say not to go to Havent as well. But, Andy, would you be happy if Hadji ends up, and, and ends up in Avent, or do you think he should be going somewhere better? Yeah, you do feel like Hadji Mnoga is one of the, is probably the player that has been mostly or seemingly identified by Jack as the most likely to progress into the first team in that he's been on the bench a few times. He's had a bit more, you know, media duties than some of the other younger players. He's been more in the limelight, I think, than the others. So it feels like that he's he has been picked by Jacket as the the most likely to progress in the first team. So you'd like to see him playing at a higher standard if possible. But will he? No, I understand. This. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's got the ability. He's also physically ready, mate. You know, you, I've seen him play a couple of seasons ago. I think it was it must have been when he was. 16 or 17 games the first team and he and um, i think it was at crawley or something like that anyway i can't remember where the dates are all, all this lockdown stuff has ruined my head of what what time and date things are but basically um he, i've seen him play and he looked like a he looked like a man in that sense of how he's built you know for a young guy um and he, he's got the pace he's got he's got the skill and, and he's got the physical ability to play men's football now i think he could play in the conference quite easily now uh, or potentially league two but whether or not they, they go more local and loan him out to someone like Avent, get some games, play well on a month flow, maybe someone else picks him up. I reckon that's probably more likely. I mean, yeah, it comes down to personal circumstance as well, right? So whether or not he actually wants to move too far away from family and other half when, uh, you know, you're young and you potentially don't want to move to the other end of the country just to play maybe one league higher. No, that's, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought of that, to be honest, mate. I've just thought of it from a from a football basis. But yeah, no, actually, he's a young guy. Probably doesn't necessarily need to be travelling up north to go and play for um, Carlisle or whoever whoever I wanted to ship yeah. him out to because they need a new right back. Yeah. Okay, cool. Pompey's latest signing, Michael Jacobs, described Kenny Jacket as a very natural number 10 in our four-two-three-one system. Are Pompey a quality centre-back away from a promotion-contending team? Let us know your thoughts. And people, you did. You tweeted in, even though I only messaged it out about four or five hours before we recorded. Lots of you messaged in. Thank you very much. It is appreciated, especially my lack of organisation. And Andy, some people here got back to us. I didn't mention Kenny Jackie. I'm going to put that out there first. I didn't mention him in the tweet because I thought that would maybe muddle it. But, you know, we've got the responses on it as well because it is fair enough. So Christopher Moat messaged in. Cheers, mate. He said... Uh, he's a great signing. He'll add a lot of quality to our team, a ball-playing centre-back to help link the play with the midfield, and I'm really happy with this squad. The more they play together, the better the link-up play will be, hopefully, in brackets. Maybe a young centre-back from the Prem on loan. Young centre-back from the Prem on loan, Andy? Or are you thinking we need an experienced quality player like Neil Allen wants Harry Suter? Um, so, I think if... If we're bringing in a, a starting centre-back on loan, I'm assuming that would be in place of Raggett over Watmore. I'm, that's just my personal opinion. I like Watmore starting as long as he's fit. Um, and bringing in a young Premier League centre-back alongside Watmore, that would be a very inexperienced centre-back pairing for me because Raggett's, what, 26, I think? And Watmore's obviously a bit younger. Um, 
I like the the, the the point about being a good ball-playing centre-back. It's what you said earlier about um, Watmore playing the ball out from the back. Um, and it's something that he looks comfortable doing. It's something that set Matt Clark apart when he was at Pompey, how comfortable he was doing that. And aside from the odd Cruyff turn from um, Raggett, he's more of a... He, he fits in well with that play the long diagonal because he does actually play quite a, a nice long diagonal ball. Um, it's just not a style of play that we're particularly enamoured with. Um, so I like the idea of it being a ball-playing centre-back for sure, yeah. Um, after that, I think the squad looks yeah quite good on paper. We've talked in the past about on paper whether the squad is weaker or stronger than from the year previous. And with the addition of a right-back, a left-back and a centre-attack in mid, which has already happened, um, yeah, one more centre-back for me. And I'd say the squad is as strong as it was at the start of last season. Um, but as I'm sure you're about to move on to, it's not just about the players who are in the side, it's what they're doing with the ball and how they're instructed to play. So I'm sure you're going to bring that up in a moment from the other comments. Yeah, well, Andy, and not not probably because you've read the tweets, I'm guessing, because you did a bit of prep before. No, no, I didn't think so. But Thomas messaged in and he says to me, <laughs> it's never the team, it's it's never the team that's the issue. The last couple of seasons, our team was good enough to go up. The issue is the style of play and a manager that does not know how to get the best out of his players. Yeah. Uh, when you watch the ball being played up long in the air to attacking wingers who are chesting it down, facing away from the goal they're shooting at, it's difficult to disagree with that. Um, Thomas, yeah, other, than, you, other than our playoff podcast, I don't like coming out and firing from the hip too much, but it's difficult to disagree with that. Yeah, as I said, the team looks good on paper. and But yeah, I some someone once said that football isn't played on paper. I can't even remember which pundit it was. But yeah, it's about what they do with the ball as well. So we could have the best squad in League One. But if we're punting the ball forward from centre-back and you know, our attacking players are chesting it down, facing away from goal, or if we're shoot, you know, hitting it five yards over Ryan Williams' head, then... We're going to be limited in uh, in our goal scoring opportunities. So yeah, I would agree with Tom there. Yeah, no, exactly, Tom. And you also put out: Did we watch the game um, on? Did you watch Saturday's game? Yes, we did. We're not <laughs> going to come out and defend Kenny Jacket. We're not going to defend him from a basis of you know. We're not going to say actually he's doing this or we we agree with this tactic or what's going on because it's just not true. But. What we can say is hopefully Mark Catlin and Kenny Jacker can put together a squad which when they do get on the training field, it clicks and we can all just hope that something happens that's magical and it goes together because we've got a squad here with players who are good enough to get promoted, who are good enough to do well. It's just a case of can they put it all together and can the manager manage to find a way to make it work? Can he be a bit more flexible? Uh, yeah, Andy. Yeah, I think like you say, it's the the pieces are there in the jigsaw puzzle. It just needs to put them together and clip. We've got a manager who's won the league. There are numerous players in that squad who have been promoted from this league. And my preference would be that it clicks with Jacket and it works, obviously. Like, we don't come on here to, to slay anyone. We try and remain objective and we're both quite nice blokes. So, like, we don't... There's nothing, like, personal about it. I'd much rather it clicked with the way it is now. Um, obviously, this potentially is the last chance for it to click it's obviously the final year of jackets contract so that's a that's a whole other conversation for a few months down the line but yeah my my preference would clearly be that it, it clicks with the current personnel in place um and yeah as you say the players are there now on the training pitch 
for it to do so. We've just we've got very little control as fans from the outside, especially now we can barely go to any games, if any at all. Um, we've got very little control over that. We just have to hope that it takes place in our absence. Yeah, definitely. And and, and let's let's be straight with this, mate. We just have to hope it comes together because Kenny Jack at the moment isn't going anywhere, as has been quite made quite clear by the club. We'll see if that changes. But at the second in time, he's not going anywhere. So let's hope with the additions to the squad that we manage to get some wins together. But here's going to hit you some positivity. Martin Wake, he goes to me, right. He's like, put some positivity. One centre-back being away from being competitive in this league. I mean, that's what you want. It. That's, that's what we strive for, isn't it? Being competitive in the league. That's what. That's it. League one. Living yeah. the dream. Hutch, cheers, mate. Haven't heard me well. He says need to get back listening to the podcast again. Yes, you do, mate. Thank you for messaging. Hope you're listening. Fratton Boy uh, 657 messaged in. He says, the team doesn't matter with this dinosaur jacket in charge. Our two biggest problems are poor tactics, a lack of strength and depth. I expect us to finish to the 10th to 12th this season. Next season is what it's all about. This season is a write-off. Well, give it five games. We'll have a little chat and we'll come back to you, mate, and we'll see what we think after that. Um, Dez, he's messaged in. He just laughed at Kenny Jacket. That's literally it. Uh, and Cal responded by saying, "Keep them jokes coming, Kenny Jacket," which I thought was was pretty um, was pretty amusing. Uh, Jacket's Jacket messaged in. Cheers again, mate. And he's come out with a, quite a good analytical response after uh, Jacket's Jacket in from last week when we said he should potentially be picking the lineup. Andy, he wrote, "Almost the whole squad wants um, wants the balls of the floor on the floor." I'll start that again. Almost the whole squad want the ball on the floor. Midfield looked to try and play more, but still looked long to move the ball to the final third rather than play lines or look to impact the game picking up positions. Fewest passes against Shrewsbury was Evans, Harness, Marquis. So, I mean, if you look at that as well, it really does show the fact that the front players weren't getting the ball, weren't getting the right service. And when they have got the ball, they're not quite sure what to do with it. And when I looked on the positional report, actually, Andy, what was interesting is Harness was pretty much averaged out standing next to Marquis. So literally in the same place, mm. which even well, means that, I mean, Harness was pretty much playing a central role, even though he was playing on the right wing. He was just drifting into the middle the whole time. Evans was playing too far withdrawn for, for a uh, centre attacking midfielder. So what happened was really is you had Harness drifting in, Evans drifting backwards to play a defensive role almost. And Johnson literally um, not getting forward because he didn't even have a right winger. Yeah, I think that that would kind of be supported by the the, the statistics that Jacket's Jacket sent in. So I'm assuming this is um, successful pass completion and total passes. So I think I said at the start of the pod, it was something like Pompey's overall pass completion. It was around 60%, right? It was somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. And Evans is there above average, 12 out of 16. Um, And that would kind of fit in with the narrative of him being slightly deeper than you'd want him to be and playing potentially the the simpler pass, the keeping possession pass, the, you know, the structured, let's not do anything silly, lads, and wait for everyone to get in the position, and then we'll knock that ball into the final third, and hopefully the ricochet will go our way, sort of um, tactic that seems to be adopted from time to time. And then someone like Marquis, who's obviously in a more risk-taking position, has got less uh, fewer than half of... Uh, passes as completed successfully so that would kind of support the narrative that we've been talking about so far I think yeah no completely and I think that's what that's what it is isn't it really the, the formation basically crumbled because we didn't go forward enough from the centre so everyone, so what also happens is Harness is just drifting inside to try and get the ball uh, to try and be more involved in the game to try and make more of an impact with Evans dropping back a bit more as well so 
yeah, we need to desperately sort this out because at the moment we would have been better off without those players playing a four-three-three and just pressing yeah. from there. Well, that's the thing. It's interesting. You, like we talk about how structured Pompey are and how we try and play. Uh, you know, people criticise Jacket using the phrase, you know, dinosaur and playing this really, really structured, boring football. But if players are being pulled out of position, like you've just described with Harness and potentially Marquis as well, then it's not even a structure that's being sustained over the course of a 90 minute period. If people are being pulled out of position, then that structure, we know we're getting the worst of both worlds because we're trying to play slow structured football, but players are still being pulled out of position. So we've got slow unstructured football, which is the least successful combination of all of those possible com- uh, possible combinations. Yeah, exactly. So basically, that is that is the problem. So and as um, Jasper messaged in, and thanks again, mate, he says, on paper, this team can go up, but Jacket ruins it. Well, in theory, if, if a team can't play to the structure he's asking, the manager asks on the pitch, then yeah, the tactics aren't working. And yeah, I do agree. So what I need to see is, let's change that up. So hopefully the addition of Michael Jacobs really allows us to... Well, it allows the players to play a system and buy into a formation that works, stick to it properly uh, and execute it. Because we know it's not working. This 4-2-3-1 has not been working in the playoffs. Hasn't been working for large stretches of the season. Last season when, you know, Pompey away from home, it's not been working at all. So basically, hopefully this one player, and I say hopefully because we don't know how it's going to work out, will actually allow us to play this formation, which Kenny Jacket stubbornly does not seem to want to go away from. So... All right, Andy, um, before we go and preview the lovely game against Rochdale, who this could be... Actually, do you know what? Let's do this, Andy, because this could be the game, and I'm not saying this lightly, but this could be the game that we get we get a boat for, mate. This could be the one where Pompey come in and the fans are like, I don't know how we scored that many goals, but we did. It's, it's going to be bizarre, but Rochdale are rubbish, mate. And when we compare them to Shrewsbury... Right, Shrewsbury have that boring a defensive structure to them. They're a bit of a drab team. You don't think they're going to score many goals, but they're irritating. You know, they're like a friend that hangs in there. You you you're trying to shake off all night, and you, he's come along with you anyway. He won't go home. He's there. That's Shrewsbury. Rochdale. What are you implying? Here? What are you implying? Ro- <laughs> Ro- Rochdale, on the other hand, mate, they are a joke of a football club. They've just got rid of. Um, they've just got rid of Henderson. He's gone, right? Yeah. And I would have had a better analogy of this, by the way, but the Rochdale lads didn't get back to it coming onto the podcast, so they're not getting it. That's why they're getting slated. <laughs> That's why they're Henderson, getting from Henderson you. is. He was absolute god for them up front. All Pompey fans know his name. He was great for them up front. He's gone now. He's gone down to League Two to get some money, isn't he? He's played, is it Salford he's gone to play he's for? He's gone to Salford, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's gone He's gone for footballing reasons, down a division, their best player. Um, and, and to replace him, they don't seem to have brought anyone in who's of particular notice either. I've had a look at, at the transfer market. They've not really got anyone in particular. But not only Henderson's gone, but also the, the player I like the most who played for them, uh, he played centre-attack in midfield, Callum Camps has gone yeah. as well. He was a player that I really wanted Pompey to sign at one point. He moves the ball well. He's a really he's a really tidy player. But more than that, he's basically Rochdale. Actually, were a team down the lower part of the league who tried to win by playing football the right way. Whether it was wrong, you know, whether it was um, effective or not, they tried to pass the ball around nicely and play football the right way. And then Henderson scored goals for them. That's that was the that's the business model down at Rochdale. So now you've got no one scoring goals and Callum Camps is the orchestrator inside of the centre of midfield who's sort of got the ball moving, played those little cute touches. 
Um, I, I really am concerned for Rochdale, should we say, who are a nice little run club. Andy, your thoughts on Rochdale, because I've just talked for about three minutes. You've gone from absolutely slating the football club to saying they're a lovely little club or something similar. It's a, it's a hell of a, a like a U-turn you've gone through there. Yeah, as you say, like the fact that uh, Ian Henderson and Callum Camps have both gone, they were their top two goal scorers last season in the league uh, in the season that they finished 18th. So they were obviously heavily reliant, particularly on Henderson. He scored a huge percentage of their goals last season. Um, so to lose those two players when they weren't really that far above the relegation zone last year is going to be a huge issue. And as you say, they've not really been replaced. Um, the red flags will be there for their fans in, the, in their opening game of the season. They lost against Swindon, who just came up from League Two, who are, you know, it might be the case that Swindon put together a really nice season and end up mid-table. But it's, you know, it's an inauspicious start to the season. Um, I think I've used that word right. I may have just used that completely wrong. But it's not a great start to the season to, to, to lose to a, the league the team that have come up from the league below. Um, and they've lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the year in the EFL Cup as well. So, yeah, this is a game, again, even more so than we said about um, Shrewsbury last week. This is a game that when you get to the end of the season and if you just missed out on promotion, by you missed out on the playoffs by, say, what, one or two points and you hadn't won both games against Rochdale, you would look back and go, well, that's that's why. That's why we haven't gone up. We haven't deserved to go up if you don't beat the teams that are down there. So... I mean, in terms of players that are going to be recognisable, the main player, I guess, is Paul McShane, um, who's what ex-Man United, ex-West Brom, Sunderland and Hull. Um, played most of his time uh, for Hull City and Reading. Um, he's probably the only really recognisable player on that team sheet now. He's a left-sided centre-back. Um, and, yeah, you you think they've got to be there for the taking, even away from home. I mean... On we say that on paper we've got quite a nice squad at Pompey. On paper, you'd take Pompey squads over Rochdale's a hundred days out of a hundred, in my opinion. And it's not a, a, a must-win in the you know in week two of the league. But if we get fewer than four points out of Shrewsbury home, Rochdale away, I'd have serious. Yeah, I'd I'd be be seriously doubting our, our um, qualities as potential promotional promotion candidates. Yeah, massively. And you've got to see, they've brought in a, a, a new goalkeeper uh, on loan from Man City as well. Obviously, I don't know how, what he's like and um, he could be good, but uh, Gavin Bazuna, I haven't heard of him. They've also brought in a centre-back from Man City on loan. Um, Yeba, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, mate. Amawaka? Amawaga? Amawaga? Anyway, centre back. Yeah, is he starting? These just players they brought in who I thought were notable okay. to talk about, but he has played. He played in the game against uh, Sheffield Wednesday uh, the other day. Um, but yeah, these these are players that I've I looked through the squad and I was thinking, right, we're going to talk about who we should be looking for, Andy. Players to look, highlight. The only player that really stood out to me, if I'm honest, going through all the, their whole squad was um, what's his name, Ryan, um, Jimmy Ryan. He used to play for Accrington Stanley and he's played for Blackpool and he's played all around the league. He's about 32 now. Um, I used to have him on Football Manager about mm. 10 years ago. Um, I reckon he must have been playing for Accrington. Um, and he's the only player that stood out for me, an average sort of, you know, bopped around the league on free transfer centre midfielder. So this is a team we should be beating, Andy. Are you going to repeat your 4-0 prediction? Well, 
I, to be honest with you, I was forced into that because you were as rude to leave me as the final person to give the prediction Incorrect. out of three. You could so have gone for the same prediction as, as me. Absolutely no, not. not. I went. I tried to go for the same prediction and I got shouted down. So um, I'm, I, I do think Pompey will win the game. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that the, the squad's in a mindset where if they score two, they'll go for three and four and kill the game. Um, I think if we go two up, we'll sit back and try and win 2-0. Uh, if we go, yeah, three-one up, I think we'll sit back and try and win three-one. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it would be massively high-scoring. I'm hoping to tempt fate here a little bit. Um, again, I'd like to think we'll keep a clean sheet because in terms of goal-scoring options, they're pretty thin on the ground. Um, so I'd go for a two-nil win. And in you know the same as previous podcasts, you're now not allowed to to have the same prediction as me, apparently. So I'll use the same rules that I applied to you last week, which was you have to choose either 2-0 or 3-0, which is what I said to you. I said you can't choose 2 or 3-0. Go back and listen to it. You haven't yet. You already told me that. The fact is, 2-0 or 3-0, and you went, no, well, do you know what? I'll choose a different one. I'm going to go 4 now. So that's what happened. Um, I'm actually not going to choose 2-0, though, because I know it's the bookie's favourite and easiest one. And after your embarrassment last week, you decided to go for that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go for a Pompey... 2-0 win. What? Isn't that what I went for? Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, I'm agreeing. I, think, I right. think we should go for a 2-0 win. It's going to be a Kenny Jacket performance. We'll get two goals, then hopefully we'll coast it out. That's it. Rochdale rubbish. We've got to do this. If we don't, I'm going to be very angry to start the next podcast. I'm just warning everybody. You might want to turn the volume down slightly. Um, Andy, is there anything I've missed on the podcast? Um... I think like a quick acknowledgement of the fact that we've got some fans going to games this weekend. So the social distancing. So we've got a thousand fans going to four games in League One. So to Blackpool, Charlton, Hull and Shrewsbury this weekend. Um, and, you know, it could potentially be Portsmouth. I think they said uh, they were talking about the MK Dons game in October as a potential to have some fans at Fratton Park. I don't think I've misquoted that. Um, so obviously... Sorry, mate? Trial at Wigan, not this week, week after. Thousand fans they're talking about. Is it? Okay. Um, and then potentially look at this grouping thing that we've signed up to, uh, season ticket holders, um, in the next couple of months. But, I mean, let's face it, the direction things are going in, it seems very odd at the moment. Like, politically, everything's getting tighter, but sport-wise, everything's getting looser. So, um, I guess we'll see where we end up. But um, it's encouraging, I suppose. But it'll be interesting to see what direction that all goes in um other than that i mean we've we've uh hired peter taylor as a coach as for our forwards temporarily which i know that some people have had quite strong opinions on that we're bringing in let's put it politely coaches towards the the twilight of their careers rather than younger coaches with potentially more modern views on how to play the game um, i think that probably deserves a couple of minutes of our time um because that it's something that i am concerned about and i know that there's oh. a a, a, a proportion of fans who are on the same page. So I don't know what your views are on that, mate. We've spoken to enough former players at Pompey, um, players that we know are tactically good, who are you know interested to get into coaching. Some of them already have their coaching badges um, and could definitely add a lot to the team around the players we've got, etc. Um, who would love a chance to be given a, a coaching role, even at Pompey or something like that. Not involved, not spoken to. And from what I've what I've heard from people who have. Uh, young players playing in the academy side etc things like that is that coaches at Pompey tend to have family links to the club if I'm honest um, 
so it's quite it's quite difficult to get in. It's quite a cliquey group of people at Portsmouth at the moment, and I think we could do with maybe expanding how we recruit and who, what kind of players we recruit to for coaches. Yeah, I th- I think that's definitely true. It just it concerns me that I think football might be very similar to the profession I'm in, whereas it is very much an old boys club. So if you in in my profession, if you go to conferences, etc., there's a core group of people over the age of fifty who all know each other and all give each other awards and I'm hoping no one in my field is listening to this because I would probably someone would have words with me for saying that but it's definitely true um, because yeah they've all known each other for 30 40 years and give each other roles and get on in, in my case get on publications with each other etc and I guess it's the same in football it certainly looks like it is where you you give roles to people that you've worked with in the past rather than bringing in you know, the, the football equivalent of me, that sort of young, early career person who potentially wants to make something with their career. So, I mean, yeah, Gary O'Neill said to us that he wants, he's, you know, he's doing or done his badges, can't remember exactly where he was at with mm-hmm. them, but wants to get involved, loves Pompey. Le Mans-Lewa-Lewat, we said to us he's desperate to come back to the club. I mean, and that's, I, we've, we've talked to enough players, I'm sure other ones have said it as well, but those are the yeah. two that jump out at me off the top of my head. They actively want to come back to Pompey and instead... And again, I'm not going to badmouth Peter Taylor in any way, shape or form. I'm going to quote someone else doing it instead. Um, (laughs) Pompey Pedro, his exact wording of his tweet, frightening that this is where the club is at, employing a 67-year-old bloke to coach the Fords, albeit temporarily, where his last three jobs were Kerala Blasters, New Zealand Assistant and Dagenham and Redbridge. Where is the young blood? Where's the innovation? It's just the old guard sorting each other out, refusing to step off the football gravy chain, all the expense of young, innovative coaches and staff who would actually have something to offer a modern football club. And yeah, again, I find it hard to disagree with that because, yeah, it seems like it's a bit of an old boys club. And we've seen that with people like, what, Stuart Pearce coming down and doing work with the defenders and just, yeah, it's all seems to be the same core group, you know? No, it is, mate. And let's hope that changes. And when Pompey and Mark Catlin decide to bring in a whole new development squad, which requires a whole new pitch training facility, etc., which is the real reason that things are being held up, let's be honest. We'd have to actually build a whole new facility to accommodate these people. That's when we need a whole new coaching team. Let's bring them in. Loire Loire comes out. Gary Neal fobs off Liverpool, comes back down to Portsmouth. There we go. Young setup. Peter Taylor, get on your bike, mate. You probably can't cycle. I'll give you a lift home. Right, Andy. That is it for now, I think. So, Pompey fans, until next time, thanks for listening and play up Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.